welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today I'm joined by Connor Tracy, the Director of Partner Development at Kakui. Today, Connor and I are going to talk about customer retention. Something that many shop owners are talking about now is a lack of volume, that volume is starting to decline some, that their car counts aren't quite where they need to be. And so today, Connor and I are really going to talk about customer retention and ways to keep that volume coming in the shop when times get lean. Uh, Connor's going to outline some steps, some tips, and some tactics that you can use in your shop in real time right now to start to make a difference in the amount of volume that your shop is starting to see. Here's Connor. Well, hey, Connor, welcome to Ratchet and Rich Radio. Chris, thank you for having me, brother. Yeah, man, great to have you on, man. It's always good to see you out and about at conferences. I know you guys are you guys are out there, man. Yeah, you got to be out on the road. You got it. it uh, I'm very blessed to to be in the role that I am. Um, you know, part of what I do here at Kikui is I I, I spend a lot of time with shop owners. Um, I, I talking about what they're experiencing, talking to them about what's successful, what they're struggling with. And I bring that back to to the Kikui family here. And, uh, you know, it's how we grow better as a company. Um, it's how I grow better as a trainer is really trying to, to take my own experience from my time um, in the shop and, and to learn from just the best and brightest out there across the country. So I'm, I'm very blessed to be in this role. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Tell us how long you've been with Kikui and what you do as a Kikui trainer. Awesome. So yeah, I, uh, I've been with Kikui just over four years. Um, uh, prior to that, I came to Kikui with almost 20 years um, operating shops of all different shapes and sizes. I mean, I, I started working on cars at 12 years old in a, a you know, working for my godfather in his, his backyard shop. So I, I've been around this uh, a long time. And um, I thought I was going to get out of the industry, started working with a couple buddies, and we opened an indoor go-kart track and just was seeking a better work-life balance. So I was very blessed to come to Kikui. Um, and uh, and yeah, so so my role has grown with Kikui and my, my time with it. So uh, I'm one of the directors of partner development. So so my goal with Kikui is to, one, uh, reach out into the industry, find uh, great partners that we can collaborate with to help us go to market and to help us understand how we can better serve our existing customers and seek new. Um, and then the other part of that is that I do all of our training now. So whether that's through at industry events, doing training classes or webinars or podcasts, you know, um, for me, it's just to share the message of, of Kikui and what we do, what we do here in love and to help shop owners become more effective, maybe learning from some of the great things I've learned. And a lot of times it's learning from the things I screwed up, but uh, um, I, I love our industry. I love what we do. Um, you know, it's the only thing I know and the only thing I'm good at. So I, I just hopefully can help elevate uh, whenever I can. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool things is like, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, whether it's vision or STX or, you know, ratchet and wrench management conference, anywhere you go, the Kakui guys, you guys are always noticeable. You stand out, you've got your, you know, your neon green Kakui shirts, you got the beads. Tell us about that. Can you tell us like, you know, I know people clamor over the beads, they love them, but what do the, what, what does it all mean? What does Kakui mean? And what do the beads signify? Yeah, absolutely. So we get that question a lot. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the Southwest. Uh, you know, I'm a native Southern Californian. And uh, so uh, I've got a lot of uh, Spanish speaking cousins and stuff. So when I first got the call uh, from, you know, from Kikui, I'm like, uh, the boogeyman? Like, what? what's a Kikui, man? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, um, so the word Kikui, um, uh, we were started in Hawaii and, and our founder, um, he chose the name Kikui for a very specific reason. So 
These are kukui nuts. They come from the kukui tree, which is the state tree of Hawaii. Um, these nuts are filled with oil. So when you see traditional Hawaiian, you know, dance and, 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 and tiki torches, those lamps are filled with kukui oil. So that's actually how the, the native Hawaiians, um, they lit their huts, they lit their homes. So the word kukui actually has grown to mean enlightenment. So that's how we chose that name for the company. And then, you know, the great, the Kikui necklace and the Kikui beads have just kind of become one of those iconic things. Um, now very much like our, our crazy shirts that we, we brought out a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it's our viewpoint that, uh, you know, to be a marketing partner, our goal is to get you noticed. And um, we want to be able to be noticed to do that as well. So um it was a funny journey, I can tell you, being a bunch of shop guys. You know, my boss, Mike Giblin, grew up in a shop. I grew up in a shop where, you know, uh, you know, we were guys who wore dicky shirts growing up. And so when they showed us what this shirt looked like, um, our marketing team, we were like, buddy, <laughs> I am not wearing that thing. Um, but then we, we wore them for the first time at ATI a couple years ago. And it's crazy. Like I, I, shop owners are like, can I get one of those? Let me, let me have one of those. And we've got loose of a couple of them for special friends, but uh, yeah, the shirts have kind of become a hallmark of what we do. And um, we love it. We love to carry our, our, our enthusiastic culture through everything that we do. Um, you know, we have a set of lead values and, and one of them is love. The other one's enthusiasm. And we really try to, to exemplify that with everything we do. Yeah. No, I feel like I need to bring you like a ratchet or shirt and do like a Jersey swap like they do in the NFL. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Off a shirt yeah. For a, yeah no for, for a sure Kikui, although for like a shirt. I, I gotta give you credit the the ratchet and wrench shirt is kakui colors i do have one yeah. <laughs> so so you know it does represent well for sure i was wearing it yesterday oh yeah so you know we we're talking about retention today client retention how shops can do better returning clients you know and i was reading a survey a couple of days ago on shopify you know the e-commerce platform and they were talking about i guess you know 67 percent of uh existing customers will come back you know, to your place of business, if you treat them, you know, if you treat them well, and the typical retention rate in our industry is somewhere around 80, 83%. Uh, what does your data look like when it comes to retention and numbers? What are you seeing on your side? It's pretty on par. Um, you know, we, we pride ourselves in really helping shop owners take an active role in that. Um, you know, the biggest thing that I, I, I see throughout the industry, and this is something that I've been trying to preach over the last couple of years, um, one, I didn't want to be the chicken little guy, but like, hey, you know, winter's coming sort of situation where we were riding inflated car counts and we, we, we've seen that starting to recede. Um, it's not mm -hmm. gone back to traditional norms yet. Um, it's not got to for most shop owners to where we've got clean bay floors and, and, and empty bays. Right. But um, it is happening. The data supports that every data aggregation group about um, the auto repair industry is is seeing bay counts going down and uh, traditionally in the industry um you know having ridden these waves before right uh, you know the, the recession in the early 2000s and, and you know and riding the kind of crazy waves of covid um we would lean into acquisition to to then fill those bays um but you know frankly we've been um we've been filling the bank the last couple of years with these inflated car counts and from an economic standpoint retention because it costs so much less it just makes sense from a fiscal standpoint and from an efficiency standpoint to leverage those car counts to get those those customers coming back more frequently to stave off those car count decreases rather than just filling your bay with new customers now of course you're going to need to do that but let's take advantage of that because there's really there's a there's a time and a cost investment that, that shops um, that they outlay 
to bring new customers into their business. I, you know, I, I, I've been polling for about the last year. Anytime I speak with shop owners, um, hey, you know, how much of your day do you spend on customer experience? Um, and I, I can speak for myself, in, in, you know, in my time in the shop, it's probably 95, 99% of my day was customer experience from the shop management system I used, from the marketing I did to get that customer in the door, from having a clean shop to, you know, estimating it right, sending out a great digital vehicle inspection, fixing the car right the first time, delivering it on time. Everything as far as shop operations is customer experience. And the bigger question that I would have, because as car counts were way, way high, I had a lot of shop owners I talked to, they're like, why do I need retention? Like, I've got cars coming out of my ears. I'm at a month wait. Guy, what are you talking about? But it's how are you leveraging and, and really seeking to take advantage of that cost that you spent for acquisition and then cash in on it down the road? And that's what really retention can do. So because it's a lower cost option, the average repair order is higher because they know you, they trust your service. Typically, the shops are recommending the work that they want to be doing. They're, you know, they're recommending the work for the vehicle types they want to be doing. So the gross profitability is there. And that's the biggest attribute. You know, many shops are still working at capacity, which is fantastic. Um, but if I'm working at my capacity, where am I going to find that next revenue channel, right? Where am I going to find that next little bit of revenue? And that's maximizing gross profitability. And really, the only way to do that is to take an active role in the, the vehicle types you're working on, the type of services you're doing, as well as doing those things like looking at proper labor rates, charging appropriately for diagnostic time, which is something, you know, we, we unpack that at ATI pretty well, but um, is looking at those dynamics. And, you know, if I can work on 15 cars a day, you know, are these 15 cars, is the ARO what I want it to be, first and foremost? But then at the end of the day, if the ARO is what we want, then we need to look back at that gross profitability because we can sell all we want. We can have all the net that we want. But at the end of the day, gross is what keeps the lights on and gross is what creates our growth and our, our sustainability. And, and retention is really where that's going to lie. Yeah. So you, that, that's interesting. So you said that, you know, shop owners are spending like 99% in the experience. And so, um, so like, I guess you talk and so how, how did you pull them out of, being so into that day to day, so they can focus on figuring out the the car count equation, so they can figure out how to be more efficient yeah. with that and bring more bring more to their business. So we talk a lot about that. You know, I'm a big advocate on making appointments with yourself, um, do sitting down and you know cutting up the numbers. Um, I was the morning cup of coffee guy. I showed up an hour before everyone else, where I could sit down and there was no other distractions, no phone ringing, um, because when my doors were open. I really wanted to be solely focused on the people coming through my door, uh, on my two customers, right? Every shop has two customers, internal and external, right? So that's my counter staff. That's my technician staff as my internal customers. And then my external customers are the people that were blessing my doorstep with fixing their vehicle. And I wanted to solely focus on them. So if I'm sitting there crunching numbers and doing those other things during the day, I wasn't able to do that. I uh, much like like many people that have uh, you know been drawn to this industry, pretty high level of ADD going on between my ears. So I just knew I wasn't going to be able to focus. So I'm a big proponent on setting an appointment for your, with yourself, holding yourself accountable. Um, it, it, and then a good part of that is that shop owners are stressed for time. So um, as I was going through that process, what I was really realizing is one thing that a lot of shop owners struggle with 
is really creating delegatable tasks. We, we tend to take on so much. We grew the business. We started it ourselves. We grew it on our own. And we kind of white knuckle a lot of these tasks um, because we think that's the efficient way, right? We think that maybe if I give that task to somebody else, maybe that that you know affects how much they're going to be able to be productive doing whatever they do. But um, I'm a big proponent of really taking an intelligent look at at, at delegation um, because you know we need to build the next generation in this industry. We need to build the next generation of shop owners, um, and you know we need to not churn solid people. And, and the better way that we're going to do that is by empowering them. We pay a lot of attention right now to making sure technicians are empowered because they are so valuable, and the quote unquote technician shortage is there. And I, and I use air quotes for that. I, I think that you know we are short on techs, um, but. Um, and we're doing a better job at empowering them and taking care of them and, and compensating them for the way they are. But your your second in commands, your counter staff, the, the people that are really helping sell that service every day, um, are, are we doing the things and in, in getting them involved in tasks in the business that are helping them feel empowered? Right? You know, we're selling the service for the technician that they want to do to keep them happy. But what have we done for our service writers, our service managers, our second in commands? Um, to help them and be engaged. So um, we started talking a lot about that at Kikui, like how can we leverage our our platform to help shop owners do that? So, you know, we've identified some some pieces of our platform. You know, we have a very robust platform that, that offers a lot within it. Um, things like, you know, review management. More often than not, it's the, the shop owner that's responding to the reviews, but most, you know, really high profiting shop owners they're not involved in that counter interaction every day. What better thing for that person that's on the counter selling the service to own that customer experience than to have them every day looking at immediate feedback coming from those customers. The other thing is, is we want them to take a positive role in viewing reviews. Typically what happens with reviews is the, the shop owner is reviewing all of them. The only time the second in command or the third in command or whoever else gets involved is when they have a bad one. Hey, <laughs> You know, this what what went wrong with Mr. or Mrs. Jones here? Then their viewpoint of reviews is, man, those are kind of a pain in the neck. But reviews are our modern day word of mouth. Like we, we need to be encouraging our customers to go online and leave us reviews. So if our viewpoint is that I only hear about these review things when when it went sideways, then then, you know, how well am I going to do at, at, at talking about that? I, I'm not. So having them engage with those reviews, because, you know, most shops you know, in the high 90th percentile, those reviews are positive. So get that second in command involved in those, have them responding to every review. That's going to take a task off of your plate. Um, other things like phone follow-up, that's a great underutilized form of retention um, that can be great to one, find out how your business is operating. It gives a really personal level of, of, of client engagement. Um, you know, a lot of times those conversations are just having a conversation with the shot with your customer and not asking them for any additional business. It's just a touch base type of situation um, that has a lot of value. And having the second and third in command have be involved in that can be a really great delegatable task. So um, uh, those are some things that I've been kind of coaching shop owners and doing. I've had really good positive results with it thus far. It's it's, um, you know, the delegation, it takes work off of our plate. Um, it has to be done in a pretty intelligent way. You know, you want to make sure that you're explaining the why, you know, the old Simon Sinek teach the why, right? Is um, I'm not just pawning this off on you. Here's what we need as a business. Here's what I need as the owner. I need to be able to 
do this so that I can better execute as a business owner. So I want to bring you into this task. And here's why it's important. Um, and then teach them the way that you felt best, or maybe have them get involved with your shop coach or, or, or somebody who can mentor them, whether that's yourself or, or you know, the, the other ways to do that, maybe give them some videos to watch on, on how to handle customer interactions, but teach them, teach them the why then, and then let them run and then make it measurable at the end of the day, set benchmarks for them so that you can create that level of engagement. And, um, you know, we've, we've seen some great results with, with, with Kikui clients thus far, the feedback we've had is really positive. So, um, yeah, it's been encouraging. Yeah. I think the biggest, the biggest obstacle to, to delegations fear, number one, of course, you know, fear of letting go because, you know, it's, it's something you've done with your own hands. And then two is, you know, that fear of if they don't do it the way I would do it, this is how I would do it, you know, and, and I think you'd have to get to that point where you're, where you come to terms with good enough is good enough. You know, they'll get better over time. And then of course you get your time back when you just train them. It takes time to train people to do things, but if eventually you'll get that time back if you're willing to invest the time to get it, you know, get the ball rolling. Yeah, I really, I, I ran into that, you know, tech, you know, shop owner burnout is, is a real thing in this industry. It's kind of the, the, it's the dirty little secret nobody wants to address, right? But it's real. Um, I went through it. I mean, I, I, I frankly, like I spent a lot of years white knuckling every part of my operation. I did. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't keeping really good talented people. Um, I couldn't figure out why the people I had were just kind of like, kind of meh about what, what was going on. Like they were showing up and doing the job. You know, quiet quitting is a big thing. Um, you know, for people who don't know what quiet quitting is, it's basically somebody who's checked out of your business and they're just going to do the bare minimum to get by and they're not going to do anything else. And then when an opportunity comes, they're going to leave you. And it's a dangerous thing as an employer. Um, and, and I struggled with it. I, I, and then I also couldn't figure out why the one day a week that I would maybe try to leave early and go do homecoming pictures with my son, that the wheels would fall off everything. Well, duh, Right. Like if I had to have my hands elbow deep in everything and I didn't power anybody to treat the business like they were the owner, like they were the person who has been charged to run it as their own, well, of course it's going to fall apart. So all of those problems were really at the, the end of the day, it was me not allowing my people to to just do the best. You know, it's, um, it's the old quote of, you know, bring in, the, bring in awesome people and let them be awesome, right? It's, a lot of the time that's just, you know, frankly, just getting the hell out of the way and letting them run. That's why you hired them, right? <laughs> it is like, I mean, I, I prided myself that I, I was able to attract really good talent. And, and, you know, I was very blessed. In fact, uh, you know, my, my partners in the go-kart track were actually a bunch of guys who I hired out of tech school as mechanics for me. Right. So, but I, I struggled there for a couple of years and I was pulling my hair out like, man, I can't take an afternoon off. I got to be there 80 hours a week. If I don't, it falls apart. What's wrong with these guys? And at the end of the day, it wasn't anything wrong with them. It was, it was me. It, it was all with me. Then when I changed that tact and I'd started to bring them into tasks, um, I started out with having them um, listen to call recording for, for inbound calls and scoring those and listening to them. And, and, and they took an active role in that. Um, it, it started to click something on. And then I translated that on into phone follow-up where they were calling, you know, customers after service. And I saw that snowball start to happen. And then by the end, you know, I don't have to be there. Like it, it got to the point to where like a problem would come up 
And rather than me having to be the problem solver for everything, I could just look at him and be like, hey, you already know the answer. You're asking me, but you know the answer. Just take care of it. So, you know, it's uh, the, the old saying that knowledge can set you free. I, I think there's a missing piece to that is sharing the knowledge is really in our industry what can really set you free. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I like to, I like to go back to um, what you were talking about a little bit ago about you know, kind of the gravy train that the shop that shop owners were on, you know, with getting just in these inflated car counts. I like to go back to that if you don't mind. So what like what are you seeing? Like I'm seeing when I go to various Facebook groups, you're seeing that. You're seeing shop owners asking that question, hey, look, man, are you guys having an unusually low October? Is your October and September been lower than usual? So you're seeing that people are feeling that that effect of the inflated car count kind of coming down. Uh, what what are some things that they're telling you about, you know, what that issue may be is it that you know people are just maxed out on on their ability to pay for repairs or there there's no option for that like you know financing the shops are offering is it the cost of vehicle repair like what 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 is it that you're hearing that's coming from the shop owner about why they may theorize why their car counts are coming down i think it's i think it's a conglomeration of a lot of factors just like the the factors that led to those inflated car counts right we had covid supply chain i mean i live in michigan for a while there there was enough f-150s that they hadn't shipped yet you could see them from space so (laughs) so you know there was that precipitous effect so what that's you know and and now we've got you know inflation kind of getting a little wild although we're starting to see a little bit of deflation but um one those car prices have gone up so that guy that guy or gal that maybe bought a car last year probably spent eight, 10 grand more for that. Uh, I think the metric that I saw a couple months ago was 40% of US households could not afford a bill of an additional $400 or unexpected expense, excuse me, of $400 and be able to afford all of their monthly obligations. Um, That's kind of scary, right? That's telling that everybody's just kind of on the edge of being okay. Um, The other thing is, is responsibly, we have increased what we are charging for repair. And, and we've needed to do that. We were lying to ourselves for mm-hmm. years that we didn't need to do that. And then COVID came and we finally all agreed as an industry, yes, we need to start charging more for what we did. And I think we've done a good job at that. There's certain aspects that we still probably could do better. Again, diagnostic time. That's been a big conversation on uh, on a lot of forums. Um, we unpack that for about 20 minutes at ATI's fall showcase is, you know, really charging how to appropriately charge for diagnostic time. But um, yeah, people are taxed. So, you know, you brought up financing, you know, that that's one thing that I think is very underutilized. Most shops that I talk to that are, you know, of a, of a decent ilk have a financing option. The problem is, is that they're not offering it to everyone. What they're doing is they're balancing the checkbook for somebody when they're giving the estimate out or when they get pushback on the estimate. Frankly, if 40% of U.S. households can't afford this bill that you're handing them, you don't know who may or may not be able to afford it. And if you're not taking a proactive role in offering whatever financing option you have, which there's more of those than there ever is, you know, a lot of the payment processing groups like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, TechMetric and their payment program, 360 payments, they now are even offering like the, the Klarna's of the world, the Affirms. So there's all these creative ways to create financing. But if you're not offering that up front, um, you're putting your customer on their back foot. 
oh, you can't afford this. Well, maybe if you get approved for fine. Like, how would you feel if it's like, oh, well, yeah, you're broke. Here's a credit card. No, 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 no. One, we can't <laughs> judge who needs that and who doesn't, because frankly, it's probably way more people than we ever want to admit to ourselves. I think if we had to admit it to ourselves, we'd be a little scared, mm -hmm. right? So we really should just as part of our check-in process, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Customer, awesome. Let me get the keys from you. Just want to give you a heads up. We offer these financing options. If you'd like, we can help you work out an do an application right now for you. That is going to make that then recommendation process so much more frictionless, right? If we already know that they've secured $2,000 in financing, how much easier is the equation when we're selling that break job or it's I'm in for breaks, but we found that loose tie rod. How, you know, the, the ability to make sure that we're servicing the things we need and that we're respecting their budget is just that much easier because we're not already putting them on the back foot where they're staring in the barrel. Oh, no, I can't afford that. Then they're going to do the bare minimum, right? And then maybe we get them back because we're using better retention. But I think we as an industry just need to be much better about really starting the conversation early in that customer interaction about, about financing options just because we don't know and we don't want the customer to be on their back foot when we're talking to them about it. Yeah. And Connor, would you say like, if you do it in that order, if you do it in that reverse order where you're talking about financing at the end, once you've presented the bill, once the customer is taking the sticker shock, do, would you, would you say that that creates a hit against trust? Uh, absolutely. Because it's, you're hitting me with this and then, oh man, now I got to try to figure out, pay this bill, not pay this bill. But you had this financing option the whole time. Like, are you really, it, it's, it is, you know, and that's, that's one thing I actually talk about. I'm like, you know, we don't really sell service. We sell trust. So everything we can do to be a trust builder, but also, um, you know, my, one of my mentors and one of the guys who I, I love and appreciate Bill Adams always talks about in his shops is the frictionless experience, right? Make this smooth. We have to remember, we are seeing people on one of the worst days that they can imagine. The second biggest expense that they have in their life generally is now not working correctly. Their budgets are stressed. They're down a vehicle. Transportation is required for their, you know, typically to run their life. So we're already seeing them not in the best day that they're having. So everything that we can do to make that whole process easy, smooth, comfortable, to bring the temperature down in that situation and just be that calm, confident provider, that's what's going to create that lasting bond for one. But two, that's going to show that I have care and empathy for you. I see that you're having a bad day. Let's let's take a look at this financing option. Let's see if it helps you. If you're not interested, fantastic. It's still there for you. We'll get the car and get it looked at. Then that makes that conversation at the end. It brings that temperature just way, way down, right? Yeah. If I already know that I've got this money sitting there that's going to help me spread this bill out, I, I, the, the anxiety factor is kind of gone. You show me that you really are concerned with me and how I'm going to be able to do this. That's, you know, it's all those things that create that trust factor, but then just make that so much easier for them. And that that frictionless experience is really what wins. Yeah. So, you know, talking about the, the, the frictionless experience and the customer service, let's talk about that. Like, how, how does customer service or what are some ways that a shop can use their customer service power to you know, create a situation of retention, whether that's, you know, working with deferred work schedules, uh, you know, reaching out to clients, like you talked about before, the personalized phone call, like what are some ways that, you know, shop owners can, you know, work on getting that car count back up by using customer service skill? 
Yeah. You know, first and foremost is making sure that you're re-recommending your decline work. You know, you're building the gold mine there by doing, you know, a solid, hopefully you're using a digital vehicle inspection. If you're not, there's plenty of them out there. Look at it. That's the show and sell, right? You know, when we had, mm -hmm. you know, when we used to have waiters, we don't generally have many more, but you didn't go sell them work. Hopefully you didn't go sell them work in the waiting room or at the counter. You took them out and showed them their car, right? It's that trust factor. It's not me telling you, you need this. You can see that this part is loose or you can see that your brake pad is worn out or you can see the dirty filter, whatever it is. We've just digitally made that happen with a, a digital vehicle inspection. So, so one, that, that's the first and foremost is that digital vehicle inspection uh, really should be a must have for everyone. Um, technician, technicians maybe you know don't wanna hear that, but it, it really should be. But then really looking at reminding them, because again, we've got people that are stressed. So yes, we wanna offer the financing, but maybe, hey, I gotta wait a week to do that, or I gotta wait a couple of weeks. And then, one of my old bosses, it, it was very funny. I, I had handed a quote to a customer and I basically had unsold it. Yeah, like I wasn't confident that they really needed the work. So I was like, yeah, you kind of need this, but you can wait. And the guy's like, of course, they were like, yeah, I'll, I'll come back in a couple of weeks. And he rolled out the door. And the guy looked at me and goes, oh, we sprinkle a little B-back dust on them. So I, that's something I kind of throw out there a lot is the old B-back <laughs> dust. But we've spent so much time, money, effort to have this incredible customer experience what are we going to do to just make sure that they're reminded of that to then get them back in, right? So re-recommending those decline services. That's first and foremost. Using multi-channel means to do that, though, too. So maybe uh, a week out, you drop them a text message with a reminder. If they haven't come in after a little while, you, you, you know, hit, shoot an email out to them. Your customers are going to respond to different marketing methods, depend on what is important to them. You know, maybe a postcard, it's 60 days, whatever it is, um, or a follow-up phone call. You know, using multi-channel marketing can be very impactful because different demographics are going to respond to different forms uh, of marketing. Um, so that can be a help. You know, analyze that. Make sure your conversion rate is really where you need to be. Is it driving the revenue? But there's a lot of value from a retention standpoint, too, and just reaching out and not asking for anything, too. You know, maybe two weeks after service, reaching out and just say, hey, we just want to touch base and make sure everything's good with a text message or, or, or a phone call. You know, with the phone calls, the thing is, chances are you're just going to, you know, a large majority, you're leaving a voicemail. So it's, it's not very intrusive, right? We're not having them stop their day just to have that check-in call. Um, but looking at those things and then starting to create campaigns, so creating some dynamic campaigns. It's the middle of fall up here in Michigan, right? So, hey, the leaves are changing. Is your vehicle ready for winter, right? Create a sense of urgency. You got to get this done, right? In the springtime, hey, it's going to start getting warmer. You're going to go out on a road trip. Let's get your vehicle in for a safety check. I'm a big proponent of creating that sense of urgency with your marketing messages to, to make it actionable, right? It's that old be back dust thing, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, hey, no, like, hey, it's legit, right? It's fall. We're going to have snow on the ground coming up soon. Let's get you in. Let's make sure the tires are good. Let's make sure the brakes are good. Let's get, you know, let me be your advocate. So um, it's putting that sense of urgency, but it's getting that message out. And it's just placing that bug in the back of their mind that, yeah, hey, we did a great job. You can trust us. We're going to respect you. Um, let's get it in and get it looked at. And then really taking a look at your retention rates. So if whatever, you know, retention platform you're using, hopefully they have some metrics for what your actual retention rate is, how much time is being elapsed between when your customers are coming in, you know, for a general all makes and models type of shop, you 
you know, kind of loose numbers is kind of two to two and a half visits per household per year is considered a healthy retention rate. If you're an importer European shop, maybe that's a little bit longer because maintenance is a little bit longer there. But, you know, if you can get people coming in a couple times a year, that's generally a pretty healthy retention rate. And if you're not there, then, you know, maybe you need to ramp up those campaigns or shorten some date ranges or look at your messaging. And, and that that typically can kind of kick that stuff off. Okay. How about new customers? You know, new customers are always the the trick, you know, trying to get them in, kind of trying to retain them for the long haul. Like, how do, how do you not... How do you not scare the new customer? Like, you know, sometimes, you know, like your new customer will come in, they'll bring it in for an oil change and then they'll, you know, get the courtesy inspection shows up and, oh, <laughs> we found this, this and that. Uh-huh. And now all of a sudden the new customer's like, what did I just walk into? Well, and that's, that's the big perception that we fight in the industry, right? That's that I'm going to come in for the thing I need, but they're going to give me the list of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's fighting that perception. Um, I was a big proponent in my shop is unsell one thing. I don't care if it's a wiper blade, give them something they've got to come back for, but show some empathy and prioritizing your, your recommendations, Mr. Mrs. Customer. First and foremost, I appreciate you coming in for the, for the first time you came in for this today. So here's what we found. We also want to let you know that we did find these other items. We want to address what you came in for today. If you'd like to take care of these other items today, we would really appreciate it. But if not, I'll send you a reminder in a couple of weeks, but let we can always get you back in. So um, maybe not shooting for the fences every time. They may be willing to do that, but making sure that they know that we're empathizing with them. This is the immediate need. This is why you brought your vehicle to me. Here's what's important. Aside of a safety item, give them a little breathing room, you know, unless it's a critical safety item, unless it's something that's going to be unsafe for them to operate their vehicle. Hey, you know what? Um, Another thing that has been very uh, successful for me was setting a forward appointment. Hey, yeah, I know you've got this. This other thing isn't in the budget, but do you think maybe in two weeks that you can get it back in and, and, and do this other work? Awesome. Let's set you an appointment for that. Take that proactive step, right? Don't wait on the marketing to do it. You can set that appointment right there at the counter. Hey, let me just set that appointment for a couple of weeks. I'll shoot you a text message reminder so you remember that you have it. I'll even have parts waiting here for you to make it easier for you. It's those extra proactive steps, right? So don't wait for them to set the appointment because what if they go get an oil change somewhere else and that guy's like, hey, as a, you know, as a reminder, we do tie rods. They're going to steal that business off your porch, right? So it, it's going just that little extra step, right? Set that other appointment, do the retention marketing. It's making sure that they know that it is important to us to do that but not necessarily shooting for the whole enchilada with that first visit. Um, another thing that a lot of really successful Kikui shop owners do, and I know a lot of shop owners across the country, is um, recognize that it is a customer that's come into your business the first time and send them some sort of message after that, recognizing that. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, we noticed that it's your first time coming into our family's business. We want to recognize that. Thank you for trusting us for this first time. Here's how to reach out to us anytime that you need us, but we'd love to see you in anytime you have a vehicle repair need. It's real. It's empathetic. It, it calls out, hey, thank you for trusting me this first time, and we want to have an ongoing relationship with you. You're not just a number for me. We're, you're, you're, that, that's what really separates us from the big box chains of the world. Um, those businesses, their business model is just to 
fill their doors with new customers all the time. Of course, they do pay attention to some retention, but their retention rates are maybe half of what we do here in the aftermarket um, because we are making that real serious bond with those those customers. Yeah, that was really pleasant. <laughs> yeah. That was really nice, man. That was well done. A little bit of practice. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But I think essentially it's about giving the customer, like leaving the customer with the power to choose. You know, the customer doesn't want to yeah. feel pressured. The customer doesn't want to feel, you know, coerced, but they want to feel like right. they've got the power to choose. And, it, you know, you talk about, you know, I think about my dentist, right? I go to the dentist and what do they do when I get to the counter? They take my money, you know, we, they thank me. And then they say, hey, you know what? Your six month cleaning is on February 15th. We can go ahead and get that scheduled for you. Here's a card. And I think that, I think it works. Like it works for me because I'm like, yeah, go ahead and schedule that. Or, you know, because I think from a shop standpoint, it's like, okay, well, you know, you've got brake fluid that's probably doing another 50,000 miles. We average about 15,000, you know, per six months. Why don't we bring you back in September 15th or whatever, you know, but yep. that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and then on the other side too, a guy like me, who I, I, you know, I travel quite a bit. I'm like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be around, but what I do know is my dentist is going to send me probably three text messages. I'm going to get an email. They're going to be like, yo, Bubba, it's time to get in and clean those teeth. So they are taking that active role, but it's exactly what it is, right? It's setting that forward appointment. It's taking that active role. It's making sure that you're setting reminders for your appointments too. That goes back to that trust and that respect for your customers. Their lives are super busy. I've got, I've got five kids. My life is super complicated. Half the time, if I don't put it in my calendar right then in that minute, that appointment is <laughs> gone to the ether, right? But right. when I get that reminder, it's like, oh, okay. And then make sure you're setting your reminder times to respect your customer. If it's just the day before that you're reminding them for their appointment, I've already, if you're not planning tomorrow and now I've got to shuffle all this stuff around because I forgot, maybe send it a week before, right? Maybe send it three or four days out. It's going to be different for everyone, but don't just do it right at the last minute, right? Give that, give your customer the amount of time to fit you into that schedule with that appointment they've made. Um, because if we're only reminding them at the last minute, then they're going to have to do the shuffle and then we're playing the game. Well, maybe that's not convenient enough. Maybe I just don't come in. So, yeah, it's kind of like the, the rule you do with like webinars, right? You do it a week out, three days out, and then 24 hours out. Absolutely. Reminder, reminder, reminder. Absolutely. And, it works. and, and I think, you know, for shop owners, just, it, you know, it's okay to text your, like, it's okay to connect with your customers. I signed up for that, you know? Yeah. If I signed up for it, I'm giving you permission saying, you can hit me with messages as I need them. And I think take advantage of the medium. Well, it's funny because it's normally the pushback is the is the shop owner not stepping outside of themselves and not realizing that they are not their customer. Yeah. I, I, I hate getting text messages. Okay, but your customers love it. I don't like getting all these reminders. Okay, but do your customers, you know, you, you're not necessarily your customer. Yes, you live in that community, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I get a couple hundred emails a day. So do I want anybody sending me another email? No, but does that mean that my customers don't absolutely need that to help them plan their time, budget the repair, get that back in? They absolutely need it. So it's, it's a lot of times it goes back to that delegation thing. It's stepping outside of yourself and really looking at what the best practice is and the best way to make that happen and kind of checking our own perspective 
uh, a lot of times is where that can kind of get stumbled up. Yeah. And, you know, on the frictionless portion, um, I want to kind of butt, the, butt that together with perks. Like, how, have you noticed that that helps with retention? You know, whether that perk is like, you know, providing an Uber or a loaner or some way that, or, or picking up a car for a customer or dropping off a car for a customer. Do you yeah. find that that helps with retention? Absolutely. You know, any little thing that we can do to go over and above, um, to differentiate ourselves with the sterile environment of the dealer world, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the paint by numbers, nameless faces, big box world, you know, um, it, that's what creates a, a huge bond. So whether it is, let me get you an Uber, let me let me have you know I got a loaner car for you. Something as simple as having the parts waiting for them so that they understand. Now, are we going to service? You know, typically we get on-demand parts delivery anyway, right? Unless it's just a special order part, that kind of thing. Like we maybe don't need to do that if it's a simple brake shop, right? But having those parts, hey, you know, Mister Mister Jones, part, parts are sitting here waiting for you. It's going to help it get done. You know, it's it's showing them that respect. Um, a little trick I, I, I used to teach my guys is um, try to catch the license plate when they the, the car pulls in the, the driveway. You can catch the license plate, hop in the shop management system, put that plate in, pull the pull their file up, say hello and address them by name when they come through the door. It's those little things. Nice. It's, those, it's the little things yeah. that matter the most. Um, we walk this tightrope, right? We could do everything perfect in this industry. And it's like that in a lot of industries. And we mess up one little thing, then that trust factor drops so much. So all the little things that we can do to bank goodwill, that's going to help that, right? So all those little things, whether it's just having snacks, you know, whether it's having making sure the coffee pot is not burnt coffee that smells like, you know, god awful when they walk in the building, you know, it's it's those different things that can differentiate us. Like just even just addressing them by name can can go the, the extra mile. Awesome, man. So talk, talk about what's going on new at Kikui and how you guys are helping, you know, with retention. So we're pretty excited, you know, over the, uh, we've got a couple of uh, small releases for added features that we've rolled into our platform. And then over the next six months, there's some cool features that I can't quite speak about yet, but we've got some new products that are going to be coming to market with Kikui that we're, that we're pretty excited about. Um, so there'll be more to come on those. But uh, so, yeah, we just two weeks ago, we added two really cool functions. So um, for uh, a Kikui users that are using our newer website platform, um, we've added some cool functionality where they can create um, really dynamic job posts. They can create used car um, listings on their website right through the dashboard. Um, it's just really, really neat. It's easy to configure and it loads right into your website. So it's really, really cool functionality. Now, the bigger thing that we've actually rolled out to all of our clients is you can now manage your Google business profile right in the Kikui dashboard. So basically, any of the functionality that you would normally have to go out and log into Google for, so whether that's putting posts in your Google business page, changing your hours, letting them know you're closed for a holiday, different business hours, um, having your posting, you know, having a description of your business. What a lot of people don't realize is that three pack, that map, that map pack that's at the top of that Google search page, that's really data that's being pulled from how active you are on your Google business profile. That's not your website. That's not your SEO. 
That's actually coming from activity on your Google business profile. So putting posts, linking to blogs, pictures on your Google business profile is really critical to get you visible in that map pack. So we've really tried to create a, a, an ease of use to do that. We've had a Google integration for a long time. We're a Google premier partner. So we really pride ourselves in, in our um, training and ability to develop a software to interact with Google really powerfully. So to have that ability right through the dashboard, it's going to save you time and efficiency. There's a lot of metrics that we've pulled into that. They're the same metrics that you get on your Google business page, but we've just pulled it into the dashboard for you. Really hoping that the Kikui dashboard is kind of that central hub for you to, to be able to manage those items and to, just to be a little bit more efficient. Um, and that's just rolled out to all the Kikui clients. It's not something we charge for. You know, We've just rolled that out as an extra functionality for our shop owners because it is just critical to their visibility. Awesome, man. That's exciting, man. It is. It's pretty cool. Very exciting. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time today, Connor. It's uh, always great to talk shop with you, man. You're extremely knowledgeable about this, these uh, these things, and uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Chris, I appreciate it. Just, uh, you know, very fortunate to be here. Uh, very fortunate to talk to all of you out there in podcast land, and uh, thank you very much. You know, stop by and see us. Um, you know, we're always out on the road, and we, we love to chop it up with, with shop owners wherever we can. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.